Have you ever heard the name Alistair Begg? His recent advice to a grandmother went viral when he told her to not only attend her gay grandson's transgender wedding, but to also, quote, buy them a nice gift. Yikes. That's a hot take for sure. Aside from the bad advice, the larger problem is that he's a pretty well-known name in the evangelical community for his radio ministry, Truth For Life, and someone who's looked at as an example. But don't worry, it gets worse, because in a recent sermon, he explained why he's not backing down. What should we do, biblically speaking, when a respected pastor betrays his listeners and his flock? Is it time to step away from ministry for a minute? Let's jump in. Before I go any further, I just want to say hi. I'm Pastor AJ, the lead pastor of Gospel Ministries, and we seek to help others experience, demonstrate, and share God's great gospel, in addition to equipping the saints and proving the Bible true. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you drop a like and a subscribe to this channel so you can help us continue to get the word out. In addition, you can go to PastorAJ.com where you can become an official supporter of this ministry. Now let's listen to Alistair's original comments given in an interview that started this firestorm. And in very specific areas, this comes across. I mean, you and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person, and I don't know what to do about this, and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, which is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago, um, and uh, people may not like this answer, but I asked the, I asked the grandmother, does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus? Yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life? Yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm-hmm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. All right, so now that you've heard that clip in its fullness, what did you think about it? Do you feel like it was the right advice? Is it the same kind of advice you would have given? I know in today's culture, this is an issue that we have to deal with as Christians. We have to uh, decide whether or not we would go to something like this, because we may be asked. We may be in a situation, maybe where. Uh, God forbid something like this happens to one of our children or grandchildren one day. And so how do we respond? I, as a, as a pastor, had a problem with this advice, mainly because I think that it betrays certain elements of our faith in regard to discipleship. One of the main missions of the church is to disciple people and help them become more like Christ. Now, I know some people would differentiate that from evangelism. In fact, if you look at the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, you see that it is actually a command to disciple. But it begins with the idea of going. So you go out and you disciple the nations, which means you have to have a relationship with people. You have to share the gospel. You have to communicate the gospel, have a relationship with them. However, there is a line, uh, a fine line sometimes between doing the work of evangelism and actually showing approval for the things that people are doing in the world. So when you look at a situation like this and we say, hey, should I attend the wedding? Does that cross the line into a 
approval. One of the reasons that I would say that it clearly does in trying to reach the demographic that he's specifically talking about as a pastor for many years is I think it's become clear that many people in that community, and when I say that community, I just mean the LGBT community, transgenders, um, people who decide that they want to live a lifestyle that is opposed to that which honors God and, and opposed to clear teachings of the Bible, despite what the Bible says, I don't think, and I hate to say this, that demographic for the most part has any interest at all in attending an evangelical church, the kind that I would pastor or many of us out there would be a part of. And in our attempts or in many of my attempts to reach this demographic, that has become clear because I've done, I've never attended a gay wedding before, but I've done many of the same things that he's proposing, being nice, being loving, showing support, saying congratulations that kind of stuff. And in my experience, again, with two decades of ministry experience, I haven't seen it actually bear fruit in that demographic. Now, I know that this is an unequivocal standard that, that I, I can lay out and say, hey, this is what you should do in each and every situation. But I can just say from the perspective of somebody who's been in ministry for some time that I don't think that strategy has worked. I don't think it will work. It's not actually helping people to become more like Christ. And I think that the opposite might actually be achieved in that situation. When you decide to go, after you have made your viewpoint clear, it actually looks like you're caving in. And especially if you go to the point that you give a gift, it would seem to me that that would communicate, okay, you know what? I give in. I'm just going to support you. I love you, and that's the end of it. At least that's what it seems to me that something like this would communicate, and, and a lot of people feel the same way. That's why I know Alistair is getting such backlash over his comments. This is a person who has served Christ for a number of decades, and he's had a track record of consistently preaching biblical truth. So uh, what do we do? I mean, is it is it time for somebody like this to step away from ministry for a minute? Well, uh, before we answer that question, let's see how he responded, because he did come out, in fairness to him, and he did respond to the critics in a recent sermon that he gave. Let's listen. Now, what you need to know is that when I'm writing this, I am actually dealing with the circumstances that were in our minds when we studied Romans chapter 1. The reality of the finger in the face of God that is represented in those who have turned their backs on God, even to the point of their own sexuality being turned upside down. So when I write the line, uh, I think of people who are behaving in a way that rejects God. That is a comprehensive reality, but this is what is in my mind who reject God and his ways. Now, I just want to point out that Alistair has a biblical view of gay relationships because the, he, he unpacks that here. And uh, obviously, uh, he's a smart person. He's doing this intentionally to show you what he really thinks about the issue. The problem comes in, I think, with his response to it. And uh, that's what he's going to unpack here that undermines what God says glues societies and families together. What glues societies and families together? 
the reality of conjugal love in a heterosexual monogamous marriage that produces children. They reject God, they reject His ways, they do it publicly, and they do it in a fashion that makes it absolutely clear that they have no interest in it while, quotes, mocking Christians as bigots. That's the context. Naturally, I do not like them, quote, but I am called to the supernatural work of loving them, not ignoring them, not avoiding them, but actively seeking to bless them. I am not called to walk on past them like the religious leaders in the parable of the Good Samaritan. No, I am called to be like the Samaritan, who is the classic illustration of loving and lending and doing good without a calculator and without the expectation of a payback. Okay, so now we begin to see where the controversy comes in because his approach to a situation with a person that he does not agree with and to, you know, one degree or another may not even like is that you should still have a relationship with them. And to him in this scenario, and he used several scriptures uh, in his sermon here, including the prodigal son and the good Samaritan and, and a plethora of others. So he's he's trying to be biblical in what he's saying. He His strategy is to maintain the relationship, even though you don't agree by just being in attendance and by just giving them a nice gift. So without belaboring the point, I just wanted to give full context to his original comments and give him a, an opportunity to speak for himself. Now let's listen as he continues and doubles down on his original advice to that grandma. Now that is then the context when a grandmother phones me up in tears and gravely concerned for the circumstances in relationship to one of our grandchildren. I'm not quoting the book to her. I'm only responding to her. She wrote a long letter. It sat on my desk for a long time. This happens to us all as pastors all the time. And on that occasion, when I listened to her talk, my great concern was for her and for her relationship with her granddaughter. I wasn't thinking about the nature of the circumstances in that moment of time. I feel like he's kind of begging here, uh, begging for mercy, begging for help. And uh, obviously, we all make mistakes as ministers, as preachers, as Christians. Been there, done that, uh, said things I shouldn't have said, done things I shouldn't have done, and, and had to apologize. Uh, but as you'll see here, uh, I think what he's looking for is, on one hand, uh, sort of a, a vote of sympathy, like, you know, cut me some slack, guys. This is the way I was going about it. But then he doubles down. In that conversation with that grandmother, I was concerned about the well-being of their relationship more than anything else, hence my counsel. Don't misunderstand that in any way at all. If I was in the receiving end of another question about another situation from another person in another time, I may answer absolutely differently. But in that case, I answered in that way, and I would not answer in any other way, no matter what anybody says on the internet as of the last 10 days. If that were the case, I would never, if that were the case, I would never, I should never have said it in the first place. If you want to, me to recant and to repent, to repent? I, I, I repent daily, because I say a lot of things that I shouldn't say. I mean, check with Sue, but the fact of the matter is, I'm not ready to repent over this. I don't have to. Now, let me say something that will be a little explosive. 
Uh-oh. I've lived here for 40 years, and those who know me best know that when we talk theology, when we talk stuff, I, I've always said I am a little bit out of sync with the American evangelical world for this reason, that I am the product of British evangelicalism, represented by John Stott, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Eric Alexander, Sinclair Ferguson, Derek Prime. I am a product of that. I have never been a product of American fundamentalism. I come from a world in which it is possible for people to actually grasp the fact that there are nuances in things. Those of you who are lawyers understand this. Everything is not so categorically clear that if you put one foot out of this box, you've got to be removed from the box forever. All right, I'm going to cut it there. I think I gave you enough to give you a full picture of the controversy and why his comments were so explosive. I mean, you can see that he actually needed to address this in a sermon. And uh, what did you think about his doubling down, so to speak? Because uh, on the one hand, I think, like I said, he was sort of, uh, you know, pleading for mercy, um, which I would gladly extend to any preacher, to any pastor, because we all make mistakes. But I think as a preacher who has tried to minister to a diverse group of people, diverse categories of people uh, over a period of 24 years this year, um, I've seen things that work and things that don't work. And I think in this particular demographic, this is one of those things that just doesn't work. Just being the presence by going and attending and by giving the gift appears like caving in and it empowers that demographic to continue doing what they're doing. Um, I, I think this is evident in the way that he asked for mercy, but then came back around and, and doubled down. In fact, if you continue to listen to what he was saying, he talks about the fact that he's an immigrant, that he's a product of British evangelicalism, and uh, he actually slams, quote, fundamentalism. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you would be considered a fundamentalist, somebody who, maybe like the Apostle Paul, thinks that Christians, people who identify with the name of Jesus, and live in open sin shouldn't have our company. That's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5. He lists a plethora of sins and things that people do, but he says if somebody claims to be a believer and they're living in open, unrepentant sin, then you shouldn't even eat with these people. It goes without saying that when you go to a, quote, wedding, and I wouldn't consider this a wedding, that you are... Uh, eating with them, you are socializing with them. If you give a gift, you're saying, hey, congratulations. I support you in your course of action in your life. I give you my blessing. And now to answer the question, what should a minister do or what should we do with a minister in this situation? Uh, is it time for them to maybe take a break, to reassess? Uh, uh, it can be. I think that there is a time and a place for a pastor just for a minute 
I, I think that if we're called, we're called, but sometimes we need a sabbatical to step away and reassess. What I would have liked to have seen in this situation is some kind of a retraction, and we didn't get that. Uh, it's kind of funny because on the one hand, I, I like the fact <laughs> that he didn't apologize because you see that pastor that's out there today, that's apologizing for all of the wrongs of past generations and things like that in an attempt to win people over to the gospel, as though that works. So I have to admit that I kind of like that a little bit, but I like it when the person is in the right. And I don't feel like he was in the right in this situation. I think that was actually evidenced by way that he described his situation and the fact that he's disconnected from American culture. I think that explanation shows that he has a little bit of remorse on the inside about what he says. So to come back and double down on it, I thought conflicted uh, the other things, the other approach that he had in his explanation. So it just felt a little disconnected for me. And I think I would have liked to have seen here an apology. I think I would have liked to have seen a retraction and said, hey, guys, <laughs> I whiffed on this one. It was dumb. We all do dumb things. Look, Pastor AJ does dumb things, and uh, I want to be the kind of pastor that can come out and say that to you when I make a mistake. When I cross a line, I want to be able to come out and say to you, hey guys, I crossed a line, I apologize, won't happen again, I had a dumb moment. Uh, I think I would have liked to have seen that from him here. Uh, maybe it is, maybe he does need a little break. Uh, just to be able to step away for a minute and get some perspective, I don't know. Because I think if a pastor is giving unbiblical advice to people, uh, they probably need some perspective. And, uh, and and not that they need to step away from ministry. Uh, I actually really like Alistair. And, and I listened to him many years ago. It's It's been a minute, but I listened to him on the radio. The Holy Spirit used him to speak to me and help me in my discipleship process. So I think that's why... Um, to hear something like this from him and see him respond to it in the way that he did by doubling down. I think it, uh, I think it was a bit of a disappointment. So what do you think? And uh, of course, that's what YouTube is all about. You know, what do you think? Uh, I do want to encourage you to think biblically and scripturally about things, but uh, I do want to ask the question, how did these comments by a respected Christian leader impact you, and how can you learn from this? What will you do when someone asks you the same question? I will say at this stage, I don't think a Christian should attend a ceremony like this. I don't think it is fruitful in any way for the people involved. Uh, it certainly isn't fruitful for the Christian that's in attendance, um, especially when we think about a younger generation and we think about the example that we're setting for them, maybe even indirectly showing the younger generation that this is okay and this is permissible and acceptable behavior, and I'm just part of that old generation that uh, needs to change and needs to get with the times. So I, I think those are indirect things that uh, we can say by actually attending, by giving a gift, by doing stuff like that. So, um, you know, my advice to you, in case you were wondering, is to not attend. But I do want you to think about this for yourself and develop your own conviction. Uh, I think whatever you do, you have to do it like the scriptures say, in faith. You can't be wishy-washy about it. You can't uh, do something and then ask for forgiveness, but also double down on what you were saying. You have to be convinced in your own mind and in your own heart of, of what you're doing. So, so whatever you do, do in faith, because whatever is not of faith 
is sin. Again, I am Pastor AJ, and I want to encourage you, make sure you like or subscribe to this channel. What are you waiting for? And go over to PastorAJ.com, where you can actually sign up for my email newsletter. You can support Gospel Ministries financially. You can uh, just be a more regular part of this. And you can even reach out to me, and I'd love to hear from you about uh, how the Lord's working in your life. So God bless you. Uh, I pray that this discussion has been fruitful for you. And I'm just believing God for great things in your future and in your life. He certainly has great things in store for this world. When we walk in his ways and honor him with our words, he will do more than we could ask or imagine. Later.